If you haven't already, would you please open your Bible to John chapter 17. If you're using one of the Bibles that we provide, you'll find that on page 587. We're in the middle of a prayer here. This prayer by Jesus as recorded by John. It's 26 verses long. It is by far the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. It is the last recorded prayer that we have of Jesus. You could divide it pretty neatly into three sections. In verses 1 through 5, Jesus is clearly praying for himself. In verses 6 through 19, Jesus is praying for his 11 disciples. And in verses 20 through 26, Jesus is praying for future believers, specifically. So today is our second Sunday looking at that middle section, verses 6 through 19, where Jesus has made very clear who he is praying for. Specifically, he's praying for his disciples, the 11. But also, according to verse 20, he has in mind disciples like yourself. Not only those who were believing him at the time he was praying, but verse 20 makes clear that he has in mind those who will believe. So you're here, you're Christian, you believe. He had you in mind when he was praying these verses. And he describes his disciples. We looked at this last week, but just as a reminder, he described his disciples, them, you, me, as those who were of the world but belonged to God. Then God took them out of the world and gave them to Jesus. Then Jesus revealed God to them or manifested his name to them and then they believed. So that's who these disciples are. They were of the world, but belonged to God. Then they were taken out of the world and given to Jesus. Then Jesus revealed God to them, and they responded in belief. And that was them. And if you're a disciple today, you know that's also you. So for them, you, me, in verses 6 through 19, Jesus prays for two things. Last week, he prayed for his disciples and your protection. But that's not all. There's something more he prays for. It's what we're looking at today. And we'll find it specifically in verses 17 through 19. And there, Jesus prays for the disciples' sanctification. So big word today. Praying for the disciples. He's praying for your, he's praying for my sanctification. So that's got to be our subject today. But before I preach this sermon, we should pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word that we, we get to open up and read now and study now and think about. And apply. 
God, would you help us? We, we know that you offer special help when we study these things. Help that, that we do not have when we're studying anything else. But with your word, you give us special help by your Holy Spirit to understand truth that is beyond our understanding. So God, I pray that people would get it today. I pray that light bulbs would go off. And I pray that that would lead to gratitude and joy. And I pray that that would lead to obedience. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Verses 17 through 19. Here is Jesus' second prayer request for his disciples. And he is asking that they be sanctified. So let's read it. Sanctify them. In the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate. That is actually the same word as sanctify. Same word. Myself, that they also may be sanctified. There's the word for the third time in truth. Pretty clear what he's praying for, at least on a surface level. Sanctify. 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 What does that mean? Now, it must be important. Can we agree on that? Whatever that is, it must be important because Jesus is praying that for you at the very end of his life. This is what Jesus thinks is the most important thing to pray for us. So let that sink in. I mean, I think at the end of your life, you probably choose your words more carefully. I think the things that are on your mind are very special. And I think if you're going to pray to God the Father in front of your closest friends, you're going to hear, if you're listening, what is the most important thing, at least in the mind of that one who's praying, the most important thing that he could pray. And so what he prays for, their protection, but now he prays that they would be sanctified. Sanctify them. So there are... Three questions for us to answer this morning. And I think if we work through those three questions and answer them in verses 17, 18, and 19, we will understand what we need to understand here. So that's how this sermon is going to go. Three questions, all of them answered just here. In verses 17, 18, and 19. We'll go other places in our Bible, of course. We always do. But we're going to start here and figure out what this is saying. So let me give you the three questions up front. 
I know some of you get so excited when I do that. So number one, what does it mean to be sanctified? That's a good question for us to answer, and we should not assume that we know the answer to that. That's a big word. So what does it mean to be sanctified? It's there in verse 17, sanctify them. It's there in verse 19, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified. So what does that mean? That's question number one. Question number two, why do they need to be sanctified? Or why do we need to be sanctified? And I think the answer to that is in verse 18, which says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Here, in this text... Though there's many answers to why we need to be sanctified, in this text, verse 18 is why we need to be sanctified. So we'll look at that. And then the third question, how will they be sanctified? Or how will we be sanctified? And we'll find that in verse 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And we'll find it in verse 19. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So sanctified. What is it? Why is it? How is it? That's what we'll look at. So number one. What is Jesus asking for when he says sanctify them? What does it mean to be sanctified? That's clearly what he's praying for. Verse 17, sanctify them. In truth, your word is truth. And he says it again in verse 19. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified. The most important word in your Bible, I know that's a silly thing to say, (laughs) is holy. That's an opinion. I think the most important word in your Bible is the word holy. And the holy word group is all over the place in your Bible. I mean, it is all over the place in your Bible. And in that holy word group, it's, it's a noun, it's an adjective, it's an adverb, it's a verb. It's, it's, used, it's used in every possible way. Holy, holy, holy this, holy that. All over your Bible. Here, the word holy is a verb or an action word, and it's the word sanctify. That's how the word holy is used here. The word sanctified means holified. 
The word sanctify means holy-fy. It is the same word group as holy. So when Jesus says sanctify, he means holy-fy. He means make them, you finish it, holy. That's, that's what he's praying. He's praying make them holy. So when Jesus looks to heaven... And he prays for them in verses 17 through 19 and, right, verse 20, we get to say, and prays for us. When he does that and says to God, sanctify them, he is saying, make them holy. Which may or may not be helpful for you. If you understand what holy means, now you get it. If you don't understand what holy means, you're no better off. What does holy mean? It doesn't help when I say things like, holy smokes. What should I do? It, it doesn't help when country bands like Florida Georgia Line have songs with choruses about a woman, and the chorus is, you are holy, holy, holy. And I'm high on loving you. <laughs> sort of a cool song. Pretty weird. And doesn't help us understand what, what holy means, right? So what does this mean? What does holy mean? So I'll give you as, what I think is as simple a definition as I can and is as helpful a definition as I can that you can apply wherever you're going to find this word in your Bible. So if you break down the word holy, probably the easiest way to define it is set apart. That's what holy means. Holy means set apart. So the word holiday is holy day. It means a day that is set apart. Set apart. If you see a cow that is all alone, <laughs> right? Or if you see moly that is all alone, that's holy moly. That's for, the, that's for the kids. So remember. I don't know where they came from. I'm just giving it my best shot. Remember, that's what holy means, set apart. This is the most important thing. In Jesus' mind, this is one of the most important things to Pray for us. So let's keep our eye on the ball. Let's keep understanding, okay, what does that mean, holy? What does that mean, make holy? And so let's look at two of the most important verses in your Bible where the word holy is used. Now, it's used hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. But if you want to just, as you're thinking about holy, you want verses to remember, these are two very important places to go. Isaiah chapter 6 and 1 Peter chapter 1. And they're connected, Old and New Testament. 
But those are two very important places to go if you want to understand holy and you want to understand holiness. And so we're going to go there because Jesus is praying, holify them. Make them holy. So go ahead and turn if you've got your Bible to Isaiah chapter 6. That's the first place we'll go. And then we'll look at 1 Peter 1. Isaiah was a prophet, which means God spoke to him. And then he spoke to others what God spoke to him. So he was a mouthpiece of God. That's what a prophet is. So in Isaiah 6, God is speaking to, he's showing something to Isaiah. And he's giving Isaiah a vision of God in the heavens. And God is surrounded by these powerful, angelic creatures called seraphim. And they have six wings, right? Two of the wings, they're flying, but they need, they need to do more than just fly with wings. So they're covering their eyes with wings. They're covering their feet with wings. There's significance there that we're not going to have time to get into. But they're in the presence of God. And one of the things that they're doing in the presence of God is these powerful, angelic creatures are covering their eyes. And Matthew Henry says about them, the reason they're covering their eyes, and I think he's right, is they cannot bear the dazzling luster of divine glory. So they cannot, God is so bright, He's so beautiful, they can't even look at Him, and so they have to cover their eyes, these powerful creatures. It's like Exodus chapter 33, when Moses gets to go up on the mountain, and he's with God, and God shows him a, a fraction of His glory, and when Moses comes down from the mountain, what does everybody do? They cover their eyes. They can't even look at Him because he's, 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 His face is so bright just from being in, sort of, the presence of God. So there they are, and they're covering their eyes, and they're saying something, and here's our word. What are they saying? Verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, if you were to go to Revelation 4.8, you'd see the same thing. John, he's given a vision of God. And there, there are these other powerful creatures, and they're saying about God, they're never ceasing to say, we're told there, very similar, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So the first thing to understand when we're looking at the word holy, as holy means set apart, is that God is holy. God is set apart. Now there are degrees of being holy, and God is holy to the maximum degree. No one is set apart like God. No one is different like God. No one is distinct like God. God is transcendent, we could say. 
Which is why when Jesus begins this prayer in verse 11, he doesn't just say, Father, he says what? Holy Father. So Jesus in this prayer recognizes this, that God is set apart. God is holy. There is no one like him. So that's God is holy. Jesus is praying, make them holy. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, here's verses 13 through 16. And this might help you to understand why. And this is a quote from Leviticus at the end here. But to help you understand why Jesus is praying that God would make them, you, me, holy. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, he's saying this to Christians, preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but, and here we go, as he who called you is holy, we just learned that in Isaiah 6, you also, disciples, be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, that's in Leviticus, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So just put our definition in. At the end there, in verses 15 and 16, our definition of set apart. But as he, that's God, who called you is set apart, you also be set apart in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be set apart, for I am am set apart. That means that's the call for Christians to be holy. And Jesus is praying to God the Father, so make them holy. If you're a Christian, you have to be holy. Here's a a frightening verse that makes you want to be holy. Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That says no holiness, no heaven. No holiness, no heaven. So I want to strive for holiness. This is why Robert Murray McShane is famous for praying, Lord, make me as holy as it is possible for a saved sinner to be. He's saying, I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm not going to be perfect. But God, make me as holy as it is possible. So Jesus prays, verse 11, Holy Father, He's saying, God, you are holy. And what does he ask God to do for his people, his disciples, you, me? He prays, sanctify them. Make them holy. So when Jesus prays, let's see if we understand holiness. Let's see if we understand sanctify. When Jesus prays, sanctify them. 
he is praying, Father, set them apart and make them more like you. That's his prayer. What does that mean, Jesus, when you say sanctify them? It means set them apart and make them more like you, God. Make us more like God. Make us more like Jesus. Now, good news. If you're here today and you're a Christian, that's you. Are the prayers of Jesus answered? Yes, the prayers of Jesus are answered. When Jesus prays that God would holify you, sanctify you, make you holy, does that prayer get answered? Yes, of course. That prayer gets answered. And that prayer has been answered. You have been set apart. And you are being made more like Jesus every day. That is true for you. That is sanctification. That's what that word means. It it just means the process of being made more like Jesus. Being conformed into His image. Growing in holiness. All ways that we could describe that. So if you're a Christian today, this prayer has been answered and it is being answered. It has been answered. You've been set apart. That's what the theologians have referred to as positional sanctification. You're there. You're put in that position. You have been taken out of the world. You have been set apart, adopted by God. But you're not just having, you just weren't sanctified. You're still being sanctified, which means you're being made more like God. Progressive sanctification. All true if you're a Christian. So again, when Jesus prayed for you, sanctify him. Sanctify her. He was praying, set them apart. Father, set him apart. Father, set her apart. And Father, make him more like you. Father, make her more like you. That's what is so important to Jesus in his dying hours. That you and I would be set apart and made more like Jesus. J.C. Ryle, he said about this verse, We need not doubt. In this place, at any rate, the word sanctify means make holy. It is a prayer that the Father would make His people more holy, more spiritual, more pure, more saintly in thought and word and deed, in life and in character. Grace had done something for the disciples already, called, converted, renewed, and changed them. The great head of the church prays now that the work of grace may be carried higher and further And that his people may be more thoroughly sanctified and made holy in body, soul, in spirit, in fact, 
more like himself. So that's question number one. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart, done, past tense, and ongoing, made more like Jesus. Okay, in these verses, why? Why do they need to be sanctified? And what, or why do we need to be sanctified? Now, there's several biblical answers that you could give to that question. Why you need to be made more holy. Why I need to be made more holy. In fact, there might even be some more foundational answers than this one to that question of why you need to be sanctified. But what about here? What is the reason given here? I think the reason is given in verse 18. This is why Jesus is praying that we'd be sanctified. The very next thing he says. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now here's where I'm getting that and here's how this works. Look at verse 17 and 18. And if you just sort of collapse the the bookends of those verses, if you sort of collapse them, What Jesus is saying is, sanctify them because I have sent them into the world. That's the relationship, I think, between verse 18 and verse 17. So think about their relationship and your relationship to the world if you're a Christian. What has he said so far about you and the world? Verse 18, they are sent into the world. The world. He said in verse 11 that they are, therefore, in the world. Right? You're sent into the world. Verse 11, that's why it said, so you're in the world. However, what did verse 16 tell us? We are not of the world. So, verse 14, the world hates us. So putting all these verses together about you and the world... We have been sent into the world. So we are, it's obvious, we are in the world. However, you are not of the world, and so the world hates you because you're not one of them. You don't see things the way they see them. You don't pursue the same things they pursue. Your heart doesn't beat for the same things their heart beats for. Your allegiance ultimately is not to who their allegiance is to. And the things you think and the things you believe are indicting sometimes on the things they think and the things they believe. And so there's, there's hatred that is bred there. And some of you have experienced that. In other words, Jesus is praying, set them apart, God. Make them more like us because I have sent them into the world. So think about why that's a reason. Make them more like us, God, because I am sending them into the world. We'll look at this at greater length when we get to chapter 20. 
Because in chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Very similar to this. And we'll unpack it more there. But here's the point. When Jesus says he is sending them into the world, when he says that he is sending you, Christian, into the world, that means that he is sending us into the world on a mission. And the mission basically is to declare and demonstrate the power of a message. And that message is the gospel. So this is mission language that Jesus, I've been sent by the Father, now I'm sending you. I've been sent by the Father to just hang out, right, to do something. That's what he's talking about, and he's about to do what he was sent to do, and then he says, so I am sending you, and we'll see in John 20, well, what is he sending them to do? What is he sending you to do? Well, he's saved you by and given you a message, and that is the gospel, And you and I are supposed to, everywhere we are and everywhere we go, declare that message. Speak the gospel, not only to declare that message, but also by the way you live your life to demonstrate that that gospel has power. Because it's changed you and transformed you and it's the reason behind everything you think and everything you say and everything you do. At root is the gospel. So Jesus is praying. I'm sending them into the world. I have sent them into the world. Therefore, Father, set them apart and make them more like you every day. So that their mission, their message comes with power. Charles Spurgeon said, a Christian who is not a missionary is an imposter. Holy Father, Jesus is praying, set them apart for this mission. Make them more like you for this mission. That means that holiness is indispensable if you're going to lead if you're going to preach if you're going to parent if you're going to pastor if you're going to plead with people being set apart and being made more like Jesus is indispensable and so Jesus prays for it You've experienced that. And you know how important the substance of someone and the character of someone is when they're giving you some kind of message. Some of you may have even heard the gospel back when you didn't believe it and you dismissed it. And one of the reasons you dismissed it and one of the reasons on a human level that it had no effect on you was because of who was giving it to you. It was a person or a friend, or a co-worker, or a parent that looked nothing like Jesus. 
And you didn't want to have anything to do with what they proclaimed to be truth. For some of you, it ended up being an obstacle to the truth. Now, Jesus knows this. Holiness is indispensable. So there's a question there. Is your holiness is as important to you as it was to Jesus when he prayed for you? In his last hours, he prayed for you, Christian. He prayed, holify them. Make them holy. Set them apart and make them more like you. Is it as important to you as it was to Jesus? Is that on your mind? There seems to be a lack of it today. Purity. Holiness, righteousness. Let's talk about doing something. Let's talk about changing the world. Let's talk about mission. Let's talk about what we're going to accomplish. Let's talk about ministry. I mean, these are the things we get excited about. And what is Jesus saying here? That doesn't mean anything if you're unholy and impure. So what's his prayer? Father, sanctify them. So here's some practical help and a plug. If holiness is not as important to you today as you think it was to Jesus here, and you think you need help, well, I would encourage you to buy a book by Jerry Bridges called The Pursuit of Holiness. There's a lot of good books out there. So it's not the only book, but it's the best book. That is my opinion. <laughs> Question number three. We've gotten through one and two. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart and made more like God. Why do we need to be sanctified? Because we have been sent into this world to declare and demonstrate the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to be made holy. And number three, how's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? I'll tell you what, Jesus better be praying for you. Because the answer is not white-knuckle it. The answer is not cut yourself off from the world. That's how you get sanctified. The answer is not install more software. Man, you know what I'm talking about. These are not answers how, according to these verses, how am I going to be sanctified? How am I going to be made more like God? Verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Here's the how. 
Your word is truth. And look at verse 19. There's more. And for their sake, I consecrate. Remember what I told you? That's the same word. Same word. So let me say it this way. And for their sake, Jesus says, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So there's an answer for us there. How am I going to be sanctified? How am I going to be set apart? How am I going to be made holy? So there's two parts there, right? That, that's the already been done. That's the ongoing, the positional, the progressive. How am I going to be sanctified, set apart? How am I going to be sanctified, made more like God? And the answers are there to both of them. First, how am I going to be set apart? How is that possible? How am I? I'm, I was of the world. How am I going to be carved out of the world? How am I going to be rescued from that and given new potentials? How is that going to be possible? How will we be set apart? And that's in verse 19. If you and I are going to be set apart, and let me use some other words there for that set apart, that sanctified. If you and I are going to be sanctified, set apart, saved, rescued, adopted. In order for you and I to be set apart and adopted in that way, Jesus has to set himself apart to do something on our behalf. And that, friends, is die for us. That's what he's talking about. For their sake, I'm going to sanctify myself. For their sake, I set myself apart as the ultimate sacrifice. The only way we can be taken from the world and adopted to God is through the death of Jesus. That's what verse 19 is telling us. He must set himself apart, consecrate himself, sanctify himself so that we can be taken and set apart. So what Jesus is doing here is he is committing himself to do the work the Father has called him to do, to face the, the horror of the cross. And to do that, we've learned for the glory of God and for the good of his people, for their sake. So that's how we're set apart. That's how we're made holy. Now, how? Are we still being made holy? How are we, how are you and me going to become more like God? Is that really possible? It is. And the answer in these verses is that once you are set apart as a Christian, God the Father's commitment to you is to make you more like Himself. And here's the how. In 
the truth. Is truth really that important? It sure is. Is it really that important that the truth is preached? It really is. Is it really that important that the songs we sing are all truth? Yeah, it is. Is it really important that the counsel I give is truth? Yes. Is it really that important to labor over the prayers that we pray here on a Sunday to make sure that what we're saying is truth? Yes, it is. Is it really important that I'm careful of what is going in my eyes and in my ears and that it is good and right and true? Yes, it is. Because the way you are sanctified is in the truth. And he makes a very practical statement when he says, and clarification, your word is truth. I mean, this is the big deal with God's word. This is the big deal with the Bible. Your word is truth. And so hear what Jesus is saying. That is how, Christian, you are going to be sanctified. That is how you are going to be made more like God. It is only going to happen in the truth. And the word is truth. Don't you love the way Jesus prays that? He does not pray your word is true. That's a wild thing that he says here. He doesn't say your word is true as if there's some sort of external standard out there of what is true and what is not, and the Bible lines up with that. Right? That's what it would mean to say the Bible is that. The Bible is true. He's saying the Bible is truth. So he's saying everything else is supposed to line up to this standard. This is truth. And so anything that does not match up line up, work out in accordance with this book, then I reject it and say it's not true. Because this word is truth. So we'll be sanctified in truth. Let me give you some verses to encourage us in that. Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law, okay, the word, shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Or Psalm 1 and 2. Sorry, sorry, Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Law. Word, truth, the same thing. Or Psalm 119, beginning in verse 109. Listen to this holding to God's word. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. 
Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Did you hear that in those three verses? Your law, your precepts, your testimonies. What is all of that? Your word, your truth. I need your word. I hold tightly to your word. I delight in your word. I need it because I'm made more like you in your word, in truth. In conclusion, as you and I think about where we are in our sanctification, in other words, Am I being made more like God? Is pleasing Him important to me? Is obeying His word important to me? Do I want to be sanctified? Or am I, think of it this way, or am I working against my Savior's prayer for me. He's praying that I be sanctified. Am I praying that I be sanctified? Am I looking at every area of my life and examining it and thinking about how I could work more to His glory, how I could parent more to his glory, how I could friend more to his glory, how I could church member more to his glory, how I could entertain myself more to his glory, how I could use free time more to his glory. Are these things that I think about? Well, friends, it will happen in the truth. It will happen as we, as the psalmist talked about, as we take God's word and take God's truth and read it and delight in it. Christian, truth is your friend. Truth is for your good. Do you remember the day, Christian, some of you do, do you remember the day when truth did not feel like a friend? The law did not feel like a friend. The word was not your friend. You heard God's word. You heard truth or you heard law. You heard what God had to say about himself, the world. And here's where you really got bent out of shape. And you, and you did not like what you heard. What you heard was painful. What you heard was condemning. What you heard might have even depressed you or despaired you. Things like Romans 3.10, there's no one righteous, no, not even one. That included you. And Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that included you. And that was hard to hear and painful to hear to the point you probably ignored it a lot. 
explained it away, outright rejected it. Isaiah 53, 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Maybe you were bumping up against these words in the Bible, or a Christian was telling them to you, and you kept hearing this word, all, 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 every person, every person, every person. And you thought you were one of the good guys. And now all of a sudden, there was, no, there was no room for you to go. There was no place for you to escape. Not and read the Bible, not and believe the Bible, not and face God. He was very uncomfortable. You did not delight in the law. You despaired because of the law. The law condemned you. It didn't compel you to anything. The law was painful to read. It was not your pleasure to read. But then, because Jesus on the cross set himself apart to be punished for your sins. And then, because one day the Holy Spirit came and opened your eyes to what Jesus had done for you, your heart was filled with joy. And your heart was filled with gratitude. And now that same truth that condemned you, now it was compelling you to live differently. That same truth that was despairing to read was now your delight to read. That same book, do you remember that? That same book that you threw across the room, the book that you cast off, the book that you wanted to have nothing to do with, there came a day where you were scrambling to find it and to open it and to read. Because all of a sudden, you wanted to please God. You wanted to honor Him. You wanted to obey Him. You wanted to make him smile. You wanted to live for him. You wanted to be more holy. And how, according to these verses, are you made more holy? In the truth. In the truth. The truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word that lays out so clearly how we can live in a way that pleases our heavenly adoptive Father. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Holy Father in heaven, will you make us more holy? God, will you give us the conviction we need and the tools that we need to become more like you? God, I pray if any of us are lacking desire this morning that you would change our hearts and convict us and make us more excited about living for you and pleasing you. There's so many things in this world, God, that we're wanting. And there's so many things in this world that, that we pursue and forget about you, and neglect you. And there's so many things, God, that we just sort of wink at, or dismiss, or sweep under the carpet, or say are no big deal. And, and we're faced, God, with 
how we dishonor you. God, would you help us to feel the weight of that? God, if we know that there's going to come a day when we're going to be with you and there will be no more sin in us. And God, we pray that between now and the day we die, that we would be so much closer to that and not farther. So, Father in heaven, will you answer this prayer of your Son in me and in my friends here today? Thank you for setting us apart. And will you make us more like you? And where we've been stubborn, God, will you change our minds and hearts so that we are more cooperative with your work in us by your Spirit and according to your word? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.